This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Okay, so here's how about it's this. Been it's been one week since you looked at me. No, let's not. Your eyes inside said I'm angry. Bare Naked Ladies is not a good name for a band of people <laughs> who are 50 years old now. Um, it's been eight days since we recorded a show instead of the normal seven days. Yeah, that's weird, huh? How does it make you? Does it make you feel weird? Does it? I, make, it feels like it's been forever. I it, a it feels like it's been forever, and b. I feel weird. I've got a weird vibe. It's like it's like I have it's like you get into a rhythm of going to the gym and then you don't go for like a day. Right. And your body's full of toxins. It's I think full I've of got toxins podcast, and you have like weird toxins. Yeah, you have weird like I need to exercise. Like I have, I have weird like I know I haven't podcasted enough lately. <laughs> feelings welcome to overdue this is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read my name is craig my name is andrew andrew would you like to tell the class why we had to wait to kick off spooktober because i went away with my wife for a early anniversary thing yeah that seems reasonable and i was in the car well i wasn't in the car yesterday (laughs) but like i just didn't we didn't have any wi-fi at the place we were staying and i didn't want to record a podcast like in the little weird living room area. And so, you know what? I read Infinite Jest. <laughs> and at some point, I'm going to stop like bringing that up as an excuse for doing or not doing things. But the time has not come yet. Yeah. So I figured, you know what? Make them wait. Make them wait another day. They'll get hungry the ingrates. for it. Yeah. 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 Actually, everyone who listened to that show, thank you so much. You guys were really receptive to a two-hour podcast. Yeah, and like, <laughs> get this. It's our most downloaded podcast ever by like quite a bit. And I don't just mean like most downloads in one week or whatever. It's, it, is, it is more downloaded than any other show in our entire back catalog. Yeah, we don't. Even ones that have been up for like months and months. Yeah. So, thanks, guys, and thanks, thanks, Andrew, for reading that book that everyone oh, wanted to welcome. download. Now that it's gone well, it feels like a real triumph. At the, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, at the time, I didn't know it was happening. At the time, I just knew we needed to produce the content, and you know that you know me, like I'm. I do know you. Unfortunately, content, when the when the content hits the when those bits hit the road, I'm there making that content like That's... a true professional. So this is a book about. Mm, podcasts mm, yeah this is a, okay well let's first let's talk to the people about our uh this month yeah bit. spooktober buckle up Ooh, does it feel spooky maybe that's how we should have started the episode does it feel <laughs> spooky in here it does i keep hearing noises and i think it's you but it's not craig get this i got okay so i was i was at my like my one of my aunts died who like I wasn't close. She was like super racist. So it's cool. It's fine. What? what? I was. But like her will was being read 
and in a spooky I, way in a spooky way and she named me she told me that i could have her podcast but i needed to spend i needed to spend a month in it in her haunted podcast so i could get it what <laughs> i i here's my problem with that ghost story you just told me is that too much of it sounded real and then you told me about your aunt's ghost podcast like no, my old my okay i didn't actually well i goofed you i don't actually have an aunt a racist aunt who died. <laughs> okay but we are going to spend a month in a haunted podcast together that's true we are mm-hmm. um, so from for the what five regular episodes and one bonus episode that we're posting oh, in october oh it's all gonna get it's gonna get spooky up in here so this week Craig read Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones, which mm-hmm. is about witches and possibly moving castles. Yeah. Um, October 8th is The Woman in Black by Susan Hill. Uh, then the week after that is The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. After that, we're doing The Werewolf of Paris by Guy Endor. And then uh, Ring by Koji Suzuki. And yes, that is the Ring... On Ringu. which the movie The Ring is based. Correct. And then the bonus episode, going back to that Choose Your Own Adventure Well, kind of, with a uh, Give Yourself Goosebumps book <laughs> called Beware of the Purple Peanut Butter <laughs> I can't. by R.L. Stein. I'm going to have so much trouble with that with that title every just, time. Like the picture on the book cover looks it, like it could have just been jelly because yeah. like, jelly's already purple. <laughs> I hope someone calls attention to that in the book. There's, there's got to be some. Like, hopefully, it's purple for a reason. But anyway, yeah, it's gonna get super spooky. We, this is the third year I think we've done this. Yeah, and it's always been, like I like hanging our hats on this holiday instead of Christmas, which is already cre- like I was in the lows the other day and I saw like Christmas lights lurking That's, in the corner behind that, all the Halloween stuff. That is spooky. That is spooky. That like, Christmas creep is back. Yeah, Christmas creep is. So, I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna- Go for Halloween as Christmas creep. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, do you just dress as Santa, but you like come up to people, like you sneak up behind them, and you're just like, "Hey, hey, I'm coming for you." I sneak up behind people and I put some tinsel on their shoulder and go, "What are you getting your mom for Christmas? <laughs> Have you thought about it? <laughs> do you need any stocking stuffers?" <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk right, about House Moving Castle. We're easing our way into Spooktober. Andrew, I bet more than once this episode you're going to ask me how spooky this book is. And I think it is not as spooky as some of the books that we're going to read. And I think That's fine. that is fine. okay. Yeah, it's like a a cold lake that you're just like dipping yourself into like one toe at a time. Yes. Yeah. Which is plenty a spooky. Cold, depending haunted on the- <laughs> lake. <laughs> okay. Now, did you know, Andrew, that this book, uh, we're going to talk about Diana Wynne Jones in a second. Do you know that this book was made into a feature film? I did not know that. Was it called Howl's Moving Castle? It was. It was an animated film by Mr. Howe, uh Miyazaki of mm-hmm. Princess Mononoke and some other prominent uh, not, I don't think you'd call them anime because they don't. I don't know if you'd pronounce it like that anyway. But I think some people do. Maybe. But it, it's, you know, it's Japanese animated cinema. 
mm-hmm. um, that he yeah made. he's he's always been somebody I've been I've been, I've meant to get into because usually I'm like I'm not not big into anime like I'm not. I think Dragon Ball Z is like the most boring thing that's ever been created by <laughs> well a group of human beings. Okay. <laughs> like I, I don't want to judge the whole like the whole genre based on like the couple things that I've seen. I think I've seen that and um You don't want to judge the entire kettle just by a couple of super powered fish. A couple of dead, boring, repetitive fish, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I, that's how I had heard of this book in the first place. And then from one anime? of Yeah, from anime, from anime. And then one of our illustrious Patreon donors, Caitlin, had actually suggested that we do this book. And somehow it snuck its way into Spooktober. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, How's Moving Castle. Andrew, who the heck is Diana Wynne Jones? Diana Wynne Jones is a British author. Uh, primarily of fantasy novels, though she also did a little bit of nonfiction and other writing. Um, She was born in 1934 and passed away in 2011 of uh, lung cancer. Um, She was diagnosed with that in 2009 and then um, took like had surgery and was doing some chemo and stuff, but just chemo made her feel too awful and she Mm. quit and then died um, a number of months after that. She's known primarily for a couple of big series. So there's the Worlds of Crestomancy, which is spelled C-H-R-E-S-T-O-M-A-N-C-I. And I'm pronouncing it like she is pronouncing it. Oh, man. I love it when I'm just talking and my phone thought I said, hey, Siri. Is that what caused you to start? What is that one? What caused you to start singing in the middle of that word? No, it's no, I was just I was about to trip over the letters and I decided to slow, <laughs> pump pump the brakes a little bit. Um so that was six books and a collection of stories. It was in like a parallel universe close to ours where apparently magic is as common as music is to us. There is no word on whether music <laughs> is considered a cosmic force that's the stuff of children's stories. Um, I like the idea that there would be like top charts, like the billboard charts, but for magic. But for magic. Like the hot Latin magic or the hot R&B magic. Yeah. The genres would be the same. Yeah. There's only like so many spells too. So like something classic, like a big old fireball probably be like in the top five forever. It'd be on. Yeah. It'd be on a bunch of different charts. It'd probably be hard to invent new spells. Magic Missile is definitely an adult contemporary. Yeah. Def. Def. Defo. And then the Fireball is more of like a Latin beats sort of uh-huh. sort of vibe. Um, those were published between 1977 and 2006. And then the other big franchise she's known for is the Dalemark Quarter. Which is a uh, four quartet? books as you quartet? quartet quartet yeah I don't know if that was autocorrect or my own stupid transcription, <laughs> the Dale Mark Quartet, which is four books set in a medievalish or like pre-industrialish parallel universe, big on parallel universes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so she was born to two teachers, um, a few years before World War II. Uh, when she was five, her family was evacuated to Wales. And then they moved around for a bit before they settled down in Essex in 1943. Um, She graduated from St. Anne's College in 1956. And while she was there, she attended lectures by both C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Sure. If you want to draw that, like the fantasy 
Yeah, there's definitely um, a house. Or, yeah, like the genealogy of fantasy that we've been doing. Yeah, there's a house in this book called Rivendell. And like they don't make a lot of hay out of it. It's just like, yo, that place is called Rivendell. Let's move on. I think if, on. You, if you made like a fantasy family tree of authors and their different works, it would actually look a lot like the family tree in like the appendix of a Tolkien book. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. I don't um, know she, what all the other offshoots would be, but <laughs> shortly after she graduated, she married John Burrow, who she had three sons with. And she actually she started writing in the like the mid 1960s. And she says this was mostly to keep her sanity while she was dealing with three young children and, and various different like family pressures. Um, and her first book was called Changeover. And it was a, a novel for adults that was written as Britain was sort of shedding colonies. Oh, and um, it's a it's about a recently freed colony in which a memo about the problem of how to, quote unquote, mark changeover ceremonially is misunderstood to be about the threat of a terrorist named Mark Changeover. <laughs> so that sounds like up our alley. Just yeah, wordplay wise. actually does. <laughs> um, she was friends with Robin McKinley and Neil Gaiman. Gaiman, we talked about when we did uh, Good Omens, who we, yeah. which he wrote with Terry Pratchett. And we're we're going to get to more of his stuff. Yeah, um, we're going to have to come back, back to that American Gods book at some yeah, point. Yeah, and like maybe Sandman. some Sandman if we want to do more graphic novel stuff. Um, yeah, I sure. know I want to read V for Vendetta at some point in the future. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I know that's not Gaiman. I'm just like thinking about graphic novels now. <laughs> uh, I'm distracted easily. It turns out. Today? Um, and then the, yes. last, the last big thing about Jones is that for a long time, her books were critically acclaimed and she won awards and stuff. But she didn't really meet with a ton of financial success until a little bit later. So um, in 1999, her back catalog was reissued by HarperCollins with like new covers and everything. Um, can you can you name another like wizard related thing that may have been happening in in literature like by 1999, Craig? Oh, what is that? Like his dark materials? Or... It's easier than that. You're thinking too hard. Um, let me th- Twilight. No, that's too. That's after. What about the Sookie the Sookie Stackhouse books? The, it's the Harry two- Potter, Craig. Oh! Craig, it's Harry Potter. Oh, that one. <laughs> Yeah, the first, the weirdest thing. Damn it, Siri! What? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Siri. Siri, get out! Special guest. Uh, so yeah, Harry Potter was happening, and I couldn't, I can't tell ju- just now if you were like putting that on or if you actually didn't know. I think it's like fifty-fifty since you didn't really read Harry Potter. Wait, no, I totally knew. Did you? You yeah. could even say it. Though. I wouldn't have gone seen... right to his dark material. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, so <laughs> yeah, the first couple of Harry Potter books were out by ninety nine. They were already becoming a uh, a sensation, and so there was a lot of interest in anything like kid friendly with wizards on the cover, basically. <laughs> sure. And so her back catalog gets reissued by in ninety nine, and she gets a lot of financial success after that. So. Um, that's the those are like the highlights and there are little different stories about every every book that she wrote but those are like the those are the touchstones I think yeah. that we would need to hit if we're going to talk about her yeah I think for this book in particular it's worth noting that and this would have happened after that uh after that 
what what was it? Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <sighs> Harry Potter. After that whole thing happened, whatever that is, um, mm-hmm. she won. Well, this book in particular won the Phoenix Award, which has been around for a while. That annually recognizes one English language children's book published 20 years earlier that did not win a major literary award. At I the time. love that. I was just going to ask if it's about like finding dead. <laughs> Underappreciated books from the past and bringing them back. Uh-huh. And sure enough, it thank was, you, Phoenix Award. Yeah, House Moving Castle was a runner-up for like a Boston Globe-sponsored award, and that's about it. So two years after the film was made, after Miyazaki's film was made in two thousand, which was two thousand four, in two thousand six, uh, this book received the Phoenix Award, which is pretty cool, and some of her other works have been nominated for that as well. So. Seems like there's a little bit of like she was in a bunch of top lists, but there was always another book above them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be reading her stuff, as we'll talk about in just a few minutes. Andrew, I think we need to take a break. Yeah, I I think so too. <laughs> Greg, Andrew. Do you know what's really spooky? What? Building a website. It's so terrifying. It's I really don't terrifying. like doing it. But you know what? It doesn't have to be. Uh, thanks to our good friends and sponsors at Squarespace. Uh, whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Andrew, and that still feels at no. All. It still feels really spooky. You just said a lot of different things that I could I, do. Listen, I said a lot of different things, but it's easy. You, they give you all these great, simple, intuitive templates. You just pick the one you want and you move stuff around until you have something that looks the way you want it to look. You don't have to get down in the HTML, which it, is like super spooky. That's scarier than super werewolves. Spooky. Actually, the legend goes that if you code HTML in a mirror three times <laughs> after midnight, that that the code will just come out and it'll like strangle you. <laughs> okay. Um, you get a free custom domain with your with your account. Uh, you get seamless commerce tools if you want to sell stuff. Um, they have 24-7 customer support, which we have availed ourselves of several times. They're always uh, very helpful in either solving our problem or in making us hear that our concerns were heard, <laughs> which is the next best, best you thing. You have come up with a wonderfully unique use case. We're, we'll think about it and that's yeah. that's totally on us it's just like ruffling our hair and sending us on our way with a peppermint <laughs> um you can start your free trial today if you want a non-spooky website creating experience at squarespace.com um enter the offer code overdue to get 10 percent off your first purchase so you get all that stuff you get the domain you get the easy tools you get the non-killing website creation algorithms mm-hmm. that only Squarespace can give you. Uh, right, what else? Help me. I, I can't. Help me get to the end. Squarespace already helped you. Don't make one of them old ghost websites with cobwebs <laughs> all over it. Make a Squarespace website. Go to squarespace.com, enter offer code overdue to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. No ghosts over here. <laughs> Andrew, Craig, ugh, ooh, the ad just gave me the chills. I got the ooh, heebie-jeebies. Got the heebies. I would like to, to, 
Ew. Got I them heebies. Like, I'd like to read to you the dedication of this book written by one Diana Wynne Jones. Oh, I think I know her. Oh, we, yeah. The idea for this book was suggested by a boy in a school I was visiting who asked me to write a book called The Moving Castle. I wrote down his name and put it in such a safe place that I've been unable to find it ever since. I would like to thank him very much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, boy. Good job, boy. Good job, book dedication, boy. The dedication also says, for Stephen, who I don't think is that boy. I think it's for a separate boy. Probably. Okay. So what's this book? It's uh what makes <clears throat> it spooky or like not spooky? What makes it lightly spooky? How scared of being old are you? Actually pretty scared. <laughs> <laughs> what scares you about being old, Andrew? I mean, partly dying, I guess, mm-hmm. but also partly like, what if I can't do all the cool, like the cool stuff I like to do, like all the skateboard stunts and my ca- and my cool like parachuting. And I was gonna the, ask about your stunts. I know and parkour that you've been... and like all my my lifestyle, my parkour lifestyle. I know that you moved down to Philly because of the greater opportunities for parkour. There are would... yeah, just more. It's a lot more space for my stunts. Lot fewer pedestrians and other standing standers by to injure. Less people coming around going, wear a helmet. Yeah, you're not my dad. <laughs> Less dads down here. <laughs> what are you? I don't know. What are you scared of? Why are you asking me this? Well, one of the main characters in this book is gonna get old in a way that could be very spooky. Uh oh. So it's hold on to your butt. Naturally. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so the beginning of this book, in the land of Ingury, where such things as seven league boots and cloaks of invisibility really exist, it is quite a misfortune to be born the eldest of three. Everyone knows you are the one who will fail first, and worst if the three of you set out to seek your and worst if the three of you set out to seek your fortunes. So well, story checks out. So does, <laughs> I am the youngest of three, Andrew. You are the oldest. How does that mm-hmm. jive with your experience? No, checks out. Okay, good. It's you don't want to talk about it. It's fine. <laughs> Is the failing first thing like real? I'm I'm making funny jokes, but you should go on more with talking about the book some more. Okay, well, I'm just trying <laughs> to get your feeling because we're gonna meet, uh, we're gonna meet Sophie, who's our main character. And she is the eldest of the three Hatter sisters. And they live in a small town called Market Chipping. Mm -hmm. And she has a younger sister named Letty. And then their mom passed away and her dad married Fanny. And then had another daughter named Martha. So we have the three Hatter sisters. Extremely, extremely British names. Yeah. Yeah, like... The, uh, Le- Sophie, Letty, Martha, their stepmom slash mom, Fanny, and Mr. Hatter, <laughs> who's their dad. <laughs> okay. Who is like a sort of well-to-do, but not super rich hat maker and seller. Okay. Uh, so they're named for what their dad does. Yes. Uh, and he sends the girls to school. It's a pretty good school. Sophie is like very aware 
that as the oldest daughter, like, she's not going to amount to much. Like, she's just, like, it's her lot in life is to just kind of be the one who gets stuff done. Like, Letty is always saying that she's going to marry a prince and get get all rich and stuff. And Martha's like, I don't even need a man. I'm going to go out and do a bunch of cool work and mm-hmm. live my life the way I want to live it. And Sophie's like, I, God, yeah, I guess. I'll just do whatever. I'm Sophie. I'm the oldest. I don't, like, I don't know. That oldest thing doesn't, it's not, like, contrary to my goof from before, it doesn't really quite, like, ring true to me. It's not, like, does she give any reason for it? Or is it just, like, the oldest is the least fortunate because that's what I'm saying to make the dynamics of my book work? I think it's... uh... When I was reading about the book, it made it sound like it was a trope that I should have known about. Sure. Like, I get, in theory, that, like, oh, the younger two can watch everything that the oldest one does and benefit from that knowledge. But, like, as the oldest of three, let me tell you something. My siblings are have not historically been interested in listening to my <laughs> advice on things. <laughs> yeah, what seems to be... Sophie's situation is that as the oldest, she does spend time like breaking up fights between her younger sisters and she helps make clothes for them. Like that's one of the pretty good talents that she has when she is of age to leave school. uh, Her dad dies. And so uh, they have this like economic come to Jesus moment Mm -hmm. where Fanny's like, hey, listen, school's too expensive. (laughs) I think the exact phrase that Jones uses is he was perhaps a bit too proud of his daughters and was sending them to a school above their means. Got so it. Fanny says, all right, listen, uh, Letty, you like to learn. So I'm going to apprentice you to a pastry shop where you can learn to cook. Mm-hmm. And she goes, good thing. I like cooking. Mm-hmm. And she goes, Martha, you're going to go apprentice with my friend, Miss Fairfax, who's a witch and has lots of... And she said, like, when you read this, you're like, hmm, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it It is introduced as a good thing in a, like, witches provide services to the community, I guess. Like, what kind of services? Like, people need spells for things. Like, what kind of things? Like, you need, like, you're like a, if you want to turn your neighbor into a scarecrow or something. Like, is it that kind of service? Or, I, well, you might go to a lesser, like, a well, not a more poorly reviewed, like, witch on Witch Yelp, but like, you might go to a different community review site to find witches who do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Witch, like this, yeah, with no E, yeah, <laughs> and like. A Y. Hmm, a, this witch a, has four stars and two dollar signs. I think this is the one for me. All I'm thinking of is when I fell down that rabbit hole on gig masters of just magicians. All I'm oh, thinking of God. is every time I try and find, like, I'm st- we're still on a quest here in Philly to find a good Chinese restaurant. We found a pretty good Thai place. But, like, looking at Yelp reviews for Chinese restaurants, it's like they're all... All the restaurants are rated like pretty well at a macro level. It's like, oh, four and a half out of five stars. How bad can it possibly be? And like half the reviews are, yeah, this was fine. And half the reviews are like, oh, this is greasy and it tastes bad. And my delivery came late and they didn't give me the right thing. Blah, blah, blah. I like the ones where it's like the guy punched in my window and threw the food at my cat. I can't <laughs> believe it. I wanted those crab rangoons. I ordered an Ooh, extra order. 
Every once in a while, I'll come into one where like three reviews in a row have the same name on them. And I'm <laughs> like, hmm. Is this then, name really common down here? Or do you order a lot of Chinese food? There are a lot Eric of, with a K. Yeah, there are a lot of K Eric's who all have really specific opinions. <laughs> um, so what so, do witches do, though? Well, the good witches and wizards in this world, in the world of Ingri, uh, you get the impression that you could just go and like buy a spell from them. And a spell is like a consumable item that you can then go use for something that you need mm-hmm. uh, later you don't get examples of this until later in the book uh when we actually meet the wizard howl of the titular castle and people will like knock on his door and be like i'm going sailing tomorrow and it, i like i really need it to go well so you gotta give me this sailing spell mm-hmm. and then like his apprentice gets all the powders together and like wraps it up in a little parcel and give puts it in a tin and he goes, here you go, but like it lasts twelve hours. Like, make the most of it, right? Um, and then occasionally, you you also run into a situation where like sometimes you sell a spell that doesn't really do anything because you don't know how to do magic, but you're in the wizard's castle and somebody's asking for it. Okay, so like, is there an accreditation program for witches and wizards, or do you just kind of have to learn, like, apprentice yourself and it's learn an that app- way? It's an apprentice system. Okay, so and there's so that. I guess that like the last question that raises for me before we get into plot stuff or whatever you want to, or like more character stuff, is what's the world like? Like, how close is it to ours? Is it just our world except there are witches or what? <laughs> it. Ingery, as far as you are introduced to it, is like a classic fantasy fictional monarchy. So it's of a like maybe 19th century, maybe earlier time period. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone lives in villages, but there's big fancy castles sometimes. Uh, there's a wilderness called the Waste of which a very powerful witch is the primary inhabitant. Uh, And I think in there are two sequels to this book that I know of. Um, There are other countries, and the king of Ingri uh, sometimes goes to war with them. Uh, His son, Prince Justin... uh, (laughs) That's a good name. Kind of, yeah, surprising name for a prince in one of these books. Prince Uh, Bradley... (laughs) He was sent to the waste. This is part of the backstory, which I actually really like how this book sets up where it's just like a bunch of town gossip. Like once Sophie starts working in the hat shop with her mother-in-law. So she's taking over the hat shop while her sisters are apprenticed out to a baker and a wish. And a wish. (laughs) Which one of these things seems more cool (laughs) than the other thing? Uh and all of the news of the world, the exposition of the backstory is kind of delivered to you as like people are talking about this in a very like opening song of a 1990s Disney cartoon way. Like mm-hmm. you're just kind of getting snippets from the town. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Witch of the Wastes is like back in town and she's uh, she threatened the king's daughter. So he sent a wizard after her and the wizard's probably dead now. So then he says... And then he sent his son, Prince Justin, to go maybe save the <laughs> wizard. Uh, and no one's seen Prince Justin. Prince, and, like you say Prince Justin, and I think of a little kid in a Burger King crown with like light-up sneakers. 
<laughs> he's part of the BK Kids Club. Yeah. With that kid with the cool glasses who could like fly in a spaceship. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm down. I'm down for it. Uh and then Howl, the wizard Howl, who goes by a bunch of different names in a bunch of different lands, he is rolling around in his castle. And nobody really knows if he's a good guy or a bad guy. There's a bunch of stories about him like kidnapping young girls and like sucking out their souls or eating their hearts. Yikes. And people are a little worried about it when he's like parks his castle outside market chipping. Um, but so the picture I'm painting for you as to your question is that this seems to be it's not quite steampunk. We're not quite there in terms of like Jules Verne-esque machinery, mm-hmm. but it is a like pre-industrialized world on the brink of it rather. In terms where, of like Final Fantasy games, where would you <laughs> where would you put this? Uh seems like Final Fantasy 4. Okay, cool. Two, if you were playing it on your American SNES. Yeah. That makes I know sense. that's just like our target audience yeah, right now. Yeah, really super. Yeah, no. <laughs> Final Fantasy like six and seven were the, the steampunky ones. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, okay. That makes sense. Yes. So, um, what's going on in town now that Sophie's running the hat shop is that uh, Letty, all these suitors are showing up. Uh, to like wine and dine Letty and maybe marry her and she's like telling them all to go away and we haven't really heard from Martha who's working with her witch uh, lady and Letty is the middle sister Letty's the middle one who is ostensibly the most beautiful one so is that why she's getting the marriage offers and not the eldest who presumably would be like in line to inherit all the stuff or is that not as much of a concern correct yes correct like Sophie is like wears a lot of gray uh, even as she's like fixing up and selling these beautiful hats from the store. She's like, none of these are going to look good on me. Like she has a bother. Yeah. She kind of has an Eeyore opinion of herself. Um, Some guy comes through town like spreading news about Prince Justin and then (laughs) uh, ends up like falling in love with this girl Jane that Sophie had sold a hat to. And she she literally says, interesting things did seem to happen, but always to somebody else. Womp, womp. I'll never marry Prince Justin. The one thing that's going well for Sophie is that as she's like working on these hats, she start she like and she doesn't really know if this is doing anything, but she talks to the hats. Like in a like I'm bored and have no friends sort of way. I think studies show that if you talk to, like, clothes as you make them, then that makes them stronger and better clothes. That's what I learned, yes. Um, She tells one that it has mysterious allure, and she tells another that you're going to have to marry money. (laughs) She tells another uh, that you have a heart of gold, and someone in a high position will see it and fall in love with you. And this was because she was sorry for that particular bonnet. It looked so fussy and plain. (laughs) And that does work. Like, uh, Jane ends up wearing that mushroom hat, and then that guy looking for Prince Justin goes and marries her. Mm-hmm. So, this is going on. The hats are selling off the, you know, selling off the shelves. Sound like hat cakes. Uh, May Day comes around. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? No. Okay. May Day comes around, and who is in town but the wizard Hal? 
and he like bumps into her at one point because she's so spooked by his castle. He's like walking through town, and he's got this like I think of Hal as like a Doctor Who type figure. Mm-hmm. He's like extravagantly clothed. He's got this like, like crazy, handsome in a rumpled sort of way. Ha- yeah, he does seem very fastidious and uh, vain, which we'll talk about. But he does seem like a little otherworldly, a little like slapdash. I'll do what I want and then explain it to you later if it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, he bumps into her and she's like, "Oh my god, who was that? Was that him? That's crazy. I'm so scared of him." And she, like, works up the courage to go see her sister. And she discovers that her sisters have done magic of their own, Andrew. Okay. She goes to see Letty at the pastry shop. And Letty's like, hey, listen, it's been a while since you came around. I have something to tell you. You might want to sit down and eat a cake first. I'm not Letty. I'm Martha. And you find out that one of the first things that Martha did while she was apprenticing with the witch was use a spell to, like, swap their appearance so that Letty could be the one to go study magic, which is what she ultimately wanted. And Martha says, I want to have ten kids, so I need to be here where I can meet a guy and have ten kids. I mean, that seems like a lot of kids. So so she got good enough at magic to switch appearances with someone else, and that was exactly as much magic as she needed to be able to do. Correct. Okay. Except for, like, maybe she has, like, passive magic skills, like yeah. Sophie seems to have. Yeah. And this sets this, like, precedent of these two young women were, like, told what they were going to do and then sent off to go do it. And they said, nah, screw that. I'm going to do good. what I want. I'm no, good. No. Why don't she do music and or magic or whatever and I'll have 10 kids? <laughs> and Sophie goes, well, that's cool, but I I mean, I guess I'll just go keep selling hats. Like, I'm Sophie. I'm the oldest, Eeyore. Sophie, you got you to gotta want it, you know? She, she does got to want it. You so got to be hungry for it. Here's where things get spooky, Andrew. Okay, what well, gets spooky now? She's in the hat shop. Mm-hmm. She's selling hats. An angry customer walks out, and then this other customer comes in. She's a very fancy lady, and she has this kind of scared-looking guy named Gaston behind her. Mm-hmm. His, hair, his hair is all crazy. Mm-hmm. And he's the whole time looking real worried that they're in this hat shop. And the fancy lady reveals herself to Sophie as the witch of the waste and says, I've heard of you, Miss Hatter. No, ain't no one going to cross the Witch of the Waste. What did Sophie do to the Witch of the Waste? Well, we don't have time to find out because the Witch of the Waste, like, casts magic on her face. Gaston gives Sophie a crazy look, and then they leave. And Sophie looks at herself in the mirror, and she is now 90 years old. What's the life expectancy like in in a wizard town here? Seems like she's near the end. Okay. (laughs) Like... Doesn't when she later thinks about being 90 and what that probably means for how much time she has, she's a little worried about it. Yeah, because, yeah, I don't know. She just, she seems like she's kind of acting like she was 90 this whole time anyway. And there's, <laughs> correct. I don't want to throw shade. Well, so what ends up happening with her over the course of the book is that, like, being an old lady is kind of freeing. Because mm-hmm. now, and I don't know if you've, known some older people to be this way andrew but like 
she kind of doesn't care what people think about her anymore. Yeah, like that's one of our friends has professed to really want to be old because then you can just like you can do pretty much whatever short of murdering somebody <laughs> and you can just be like, oh, I'm old. Well, and and not even I don't think Sophie is would play up the like daft angle, but just kind of like the elderly person who's been around the block and like deserves to kind of do whatever they want. Oh, OK, because they even the, like invisible i'm I'm confused kind of thing no 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 Mm -hmm. so if we run into like not to bring it back to tom hanks on every episode but we run into kind of a big scenario now where sophie uh, you're perking up i can feel it no yeah tell me more turned into an old lady and like well, she she just leaves though you can't like it's not a big scenario Uh, that's a very specific but here's thing yeah, but here's the parallel. She just leaves. Like, she's just gone now. She, she just walks out of town. Because mm-hmm. nobody knows who she is anyway. Yep. And, like, walks down the road. And she's surprised to find that, like, yes, walking is difficult because she's old. But multiple times she describes herself as a hale old woman. Hale, H-A-L-E. Right, yeah. Um, And along the way, she meets a scarecrow. Uh, she meets a dog that she takes a stick from, and now she has a walking stick. Does, and does then, the dog like stick around, or is he just, she just no, take the stick and she okay. just takes the stick and the dog runs away. Jeez, oh, all right. And then she like meets a farmer who like thinks that she's a witch and like addresses her as such, and she's like, "That's very weird. I'm not a witch. I'm just a girl who was turned into an old lady." She says to herself, "She doesn't say that to the guy. That would go weird." Uh. <laughs> And she wanders on up to Hal's castle that has parked itself outside Market Chipper. Mm-hmm. And after trying a couple doors that she can't get in, she finally like tells it to open up, and it does. And she gets she makes her way in, and she meets his apprentice Michael, who's a charming young lad. And she meets a fire demon named Calcifer, which I'm not quite sure if that's like a play on anything. Or just a bunch of syllables jammed together. Yeah, I don't know. Like calcified something. I don't know. Lucifer. I don't know. A couple of different things. He lives Mm -hmm. in the fireplace. Like he's like Oscar the Grouch, but like. But he lives in a fire. Like if Oscar (laughs) the Grouch was a fire demon. Yeah, that was stuck to a fireplace. Mm Mm-hmm. And the castle isn't very impressive, Andrew. It's just like... It moves around. Like what do you want? But on the inside, though... It's just this like one room with a bathroom attached and a grumpy fireplace, and there's a staircase to two bedrooms upstairs. Okay, and, like, but that's the fact it. that it like moves around is not like enough for you, I guess. Well, she's rightfully confused that like, it if it was is called so... House Castle with a bunch of rooms in it, you would think <laughs> it was a cooler book than this. No, not the... no. <laughs> it's a it's about the subversion of expectation. Mm-hmm. What it really is, it's a magical representation of Hal's house that just happens to be inside the castle. So he's got this like big imposing exterior that makes people think he's this like evil wizard when actually he's this kind of like foppish vain lover boy mm-hmm. who runs around like trying to woo girls, and then as soon as they actually fall in love with him, he moves on to the next girl. Got it. That's so how he's got a castle that's like matched to his personality. 
perfectly so. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, and she shows up and kind of like just winds up negotiating staying there when she first has her she has her first conversation with the fireplace. Uh, she learns that the demon has a contract with Hal that keeps the demon there so that he like powers all the magic. And he's like, hey, I can help you break the spell that's making you old if you break the contract between me and the wizard. But I can't tell you anything about it because that that would be against the rules. Sure. Always magic rules. There are always rules about this sort of thing. And from there, we go on this adventure where Hal is being, like, hounded to participate in this, like, war with the Witch of the Wastes and to rescue Prince Justin, and he really doesn't want to. So he, like, the stories about him eating hearts, Andrew, mm-hmm. not true. Why? Where did they come from? They're basically metaphors. Like, at one point, <laughs> oh, okay. Michael Michael's like, that's a, that's a thing that ants say. <laughs> like, aunts. Aunts, yes, okay. that's a thing. That's that's the way aunts talk about mm-hmm. him, and like literally, Sophie is like looking in the chimney for the cadre of hearts that he must have like stolen and hidden somewhere, because you know. Well, I mean, if he ate them, they wouldn't just be around. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it's it's a metaphor for the fact that he goes around breaking people's hearts, including, of course, the Witch of the Wastes. Ooh. So she has like cast a, a curse on him that he that he will eventually bring him back to her, and she's trying to amass power to take over the kingdom. And so the main like adventure part of this book is Sophie kind of like as an old lady in this castle trying to fit in, figure out what's going on, and you'd you'd expect there to be this like thrust of her wanting to get young again and she doesn't really it just it doesn't sound like something she cares all that much about and i'm honestly trying to get a handle on what she does care about at all like aside from i guess her obligations to like her family and whatever well she kind of bounced on those though right yeah i mean like before she got old and so now that she's old i don't know what she wants she just wants to sit down sometimes. I, mean, I know she just that. Wants I know to, how like, that feels. Hang out next to the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, she does grow to like care about Michael and care about Hal and care about Calcifer. Uh, a lot of that stuff in Jones's style is really subtextual. Um, you can tell how people feel about each other, not necessarily because they say so, but because of how much attention they are paying to what the other person is doing. Yeah. Even if they're fighting and being jerks about it. Yeah. That's how you're supposed to show affection for people in the first place. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, you contrast that with Hal, who like is bursting through the door saying that he's in love with people all the time. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they say it back, he's like, I'm out. Sure. Get back in the castle. Let's okay, move. So, so they go on all these adventures and stuff. Was there any like one in particular that you wanted to bring up? You said you didn't want to get too embedded in any plot stuff, so I don't think we need to like go through the entire rest of it. But was there any? Was there anything in particular? Like you seem like you enjoyed the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did enjoy it. It's not like a rip snorting adventure. 
I don't think Rip Snorton is the phrase, but he's my favorite actor, Rip Snorton. Rip Snorton. Um, um, yeah, no, I okay. So here's here's a good anecdote uh, from the book. Anecdote? Mm, it's a part of the book. Uh, it's a passage. It's a passage, and it relates directly to a comment from the author that's included in an interview after the book, where she says that. The strange fact about Hal is that almost every young woman who reads about him wants to marry him. They begin wanting to before the book was ever published, and they all confess their wish quite openly. Uh, and she says, Yesterday I was at, I was doing a question and answer session in a London theater, and a teenage girl put her hand up and said uh, that she had long wanted to marry Hal, and would I mind? I wondered whether to ask her if she would mind everywhere being covered with green slime when his hair went wrong, or if she minded coping with a man who had head colds like a drama queen, or being twisted round Hal's little finger, or would it worry her that the man was a terrible coward, or always falling in love with other women, but I could see that she regarded those facts as a challenge. <laughs> Great. And that green slime bit is the one that sticks out in my head. So... You'll find midway through the book that both Michael and Hal are in love with Letty Hatter. But what did I tell you earlier, Andrew? There's not more really than there's more than one Letty Hatter. Yeah, right. Uh, so Which one Marth, are they in love with? They each have one of their own. I see. Now, what happened is that Letty had to like reveal herself to the to her witch teacher. And so she's also using the name Letty Hatter as if that couldn't be more confusing. Mm -hmm. So when Hal comes back from one particularly like frustrating experience trying to convince Letty to be in love with him, he like throws this huge temper tantrum and he finds that she has messed with all of that. Sophie has messed with all of his like face and hair care products that he keeps in the bathroom, right? Like their magical, like ointments and you powders. Do that because, like, people have very particular things that they want their face and hair to do. Yeah. So when he comes out of the bathroom and his hair's like a little pink and oddly wet, he's like really mad about it. So he starts screaming in a way that everyone has to vacate the castle because it's so loud, and all mm -hmm. of the landscapes, every all the towns can hear it. And they come back, and there were horrendous, dramatic, violent quantities of green slime, oodles of it. It covered Hal completely. It draped his head and shoulders in sticky dollops, heaping on his knees and hands, trickling in glops down his legs, and dripping off the stool in sticky strands. It was in oozing ponds and crawling pools over most of the floor. Long fingers of it have had crept into the hearth, it smelled vile. Cool. So he got so mad that he summoned an episode <laughs> of Family Double Dare into his castle. Uh, and then, like, he's sitting in it catatonic, and people, are like, have to give him a bath and take care of him. And presumably clean the rest of the slime out of his castle. Yeah, it's Which, like, gross. that's hard to get out of the grout. Like, jeez. There's this, like, the castle is, like, moving at this point, and so they get, there's this image of it just like a snail. Like, she's just shoving all the oh, slime out God. the door Ugh. as it's, like, floating along. Yeah, that sounds like a dude I want to marry, Gross. Andrew. Slime. But, like, they, like in, a, in the context of a book where they don't have to deal with him as a person, I guess he sounds rakish and... He is, yeah. I find him frustratingly rakish yeah. because 
he and he and Sophie develop a relationship over the course of the book and it goes well but like this is a trope that I find frustrating and let me know if you feel the same Andrew he like he's been taking care of a bunch of stuff off screen and it somehow is supposed to excuse his crappy behavior great like he arranges for like family to visit her at one point and they just magically recognize her even though she's 90 years old he is like trying to make casting spells to make her feel better at some point earlier in the book he figured out that she was under a spell even though she never told him and he didn't say anything about it yeah like it it feels kind of like a shortcut like a way to to have this person act like a jerk the whole time but also to to have your like also eat your jerk cake at the end (laughs) Yeah, you just didn't like, know oh, that he oh, was a he good was, guy. He was a jerk, but really, he has a heart of gold. Like, yeah, that's a little played. I, I, maybe it wouldn't have been as played in 1986, but possibly, True. yeah, already. And what what I do like about Hal is that he is a self, by the end of the book, he's a self-professed coward, and all of the things that he does, like, to advance the plot that seem like he's creating obstacles, like he doesn't want to help Prince Dustin or, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. He he's doing that to like force himself to confront a thing in that way where like you don't want to do the work you needed to do so you go wash dishes instead until there are no dishes and then you finally have to answer that email. Sure, yeah. Except everyone's life and death are on the line. Yeah. Um why you never written an email like that? <laughs> I, I guess I haven't. Have you? I can't say. Okay. I'm not at liberty okay. to discuss. <laughs> Okay. Uh yeah, the the book's a good time. I like the the magic system is like as I said it's a mix of snake oil salesmen and powders and tinctures, tincture, tink mm. tinctures. Yeah. But then it also has a kind of a loosey-goosey like power word like words of command magic running through it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um and Sophie you learn over the course of the book has some magical abilities that have to do with her becoming a more forceful person that she wouldn't have done had she not been like magically aged 70 years so does once. she get magically de-aged by the end she does okay she does and the like we were talking a little bit ago like at one point how basic not accuses her but basically says like you were holding on to this spell because it made you feel more comfortable. Got it. Okay. In in this, you know, in a weird way, in that way that like if you put on like people who put on like mascot outfits just start going crazy cuz you know don't know anything about them. You don't know mm-hmm. who they yeah, are. It's very liberating. It is. Uh classic mask work. Well, and then, and then also the magic was inside her all along. Also. The magic Yeah, the magic so, was inside her. La- last thing. Um so this was written by a woman uh, mm-hmm. It stars like its primary protagonist is a woman. Mm-hmm. How does it? How does the book feel to you when it's presenting? Like, it's, it sounds like romance is still kind of the end goal in a lot of ways for like a lot of these characters. Yeah, between like Sophie and Howell and like all the Letties and whoever. So so Martha is really the only one. Martha as Letty 
who is explicit, like the only woman who is explicitly chasing romance in a positive, like in a way that's going to purportedly improve her life. Mm-hmm. The the witch is like a spurned ex lover of Howl, so mm-hmm. take that for what you will. Um, the actual Letty ends up with someone probably, but like not like that was her goal in the in the book, and Sophie's relation, like it's not until late in the book that Sophie even acknowledges that she like has feelings for Hal at all. Mm-hmm. Um, she seems to enjoy in as much as she enjoys things in the book, like having a purpose in this little team of people. Um, there are a couple of times where she does think about just like abandoning it and just like walking away mm-hmm. to, to what end? I don't know. Um, and there's a reading of this book where you could find that kind of frustrating, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it isn't until that there is like a oh wow he does love me and that's like the very end of the book so it doesn't belabor that and there's no like i don't think there's an illusion that he's perfect I guess or that they're going like, to be perfect maybe it sounds more like her finding herself than it is about like her finding romance explicitly yeah what's really cool about the last scene where she gets turned back um after they conquer the bad guys and all that stuff um she is just like it's a really nice scene in that her and Hal are together they're actually having a connection with one another like in an explicit way for the first time in the whole book Mm -hmm. and uh, Jones is taking pains to let you know that she's like not paying attention to the fact that she's been transformed back to her younger self she's not paying attention to what's happening to her sister or her other sister or the other like princes or whoever who've been restored back to their beautiful selves. Like she's just in this moment with him and they're together Um, in a way that like, yeah, what you just said, she's her truest self then. Okay. Um, And you know, take, I don't know. I was rereading some of the early parts of the book to get uh, a sense of how it laid out some of the information. And it is neat to go back and read knowing that she develops these like magic powers that are really just about her exhort exerting her will on the world around her. Mm-hmm. It makes her not quite as formidable as Hal, obviously. Um, Cause he's this like crazy magic magician man, but it's neat to like s- look at things that you think are dialogue and realize that like there are magical responses to what she's saying that are happening that she's just not taking notice of. Got it. Um, that's that's pretty cool. So yeah, it's a, right. it's a it's a neat book. Cool, man. That's all is, I got. What's it like to record a podcast that's not two and a half hours long? I don't know. There's not. Oh, we didn't talk about too much spooky stuff. I guess the spooky stuff is getting old. Well, I mean, like, yeah, getting old. There's some witches, moving castles. It's it's more of an implied spookiness than it is an overt spookiness. Like, t- to be fair, you did pick this, I think, before we started programming Spooktober, and it just happened to fit, like, just well enough that we decided to keep it. Yeah, it was it was recommended with a with a Spooktober lean. Sure. Um, but I did not, when I initially, I was like, oh, yeah, it is Spooktober. So, <laughs> if you're scared of slime or getting old, then, like, Then this whoa, is the book for oh, you, boy. and if it's not, we got another four weeks of spookiness and a bonus of spookiness coming up. <laughs> um, what's what's the thing? If you want to find, if you want to talk to us about spooky stuff, you should do it on Facebook at facebook.com slash overdue pod or twitter.com slash overdue pod. 
Um, we also have an email address at overduepod at gmail.com. Yep. Um, our internet website is, wait, you talk about social stuff, man, I'm completely forgetting how to do this. It's okay. It's been eight it, days since we podcasted. It's true. I'm getting all my podcast toxins back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to thank Jess, Joel, Melissa, Gary, Nathan, uh, another Melissa, Robin, Brendy, Brendan, Brendy, Brendan, Teresa, Emily, <laughs> Bovin, Michael, Liz, Mary, The Mist, Jocko, Sarah, Sean, Blake, Mary, Kate, Starfish, Chick, Julie, Some Girl, and eh? Marianne, Karen, Alexa, Caitlin, Kendra, Graham, uh, Desma Tasukas. Sometimes Twitter names are weird. Jesse, Rachel, Emily, uh, our friends of Black Hotties, Sophie Bibbs, Hoops, Lucas, uh, Carminked, Aaron, Tessa, Emmett, Ellen, Chaos in My House, Grace, Megan, Natalie, Caroline, Taylor, Rachel, Rob, R.A., and Eric with a C, not a K. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone, for letting us know what you liked about the show last week. You could do it again if you liked this show. Yeah. Andrew. What? Where do they go to find out more spooky stuff about our show? Uh, you can go to overduepodcast.com, which is our spook-free website that we d- doesn't have any ghosts in it, and no ghosts <laughs> will haunt your computer if you visit our website. Uh, what you will find, instead of ghosts, are links to iTunes, Stitcher, <laughs> RSS, and Google Play. Those are all ways you can subscribe to the show. Uh, if you subscribe on iTunes, do rate and review us. A couple of you guys did that after our Infinite Jest episode, and we were super pleased about it. And as we said at the beginning of the episode, like, thank you again. It was our most downloaded show ever, which pretty is cool. pretty cool and, like, really rewards the effort that we put into the whole, like, enterprise. So, If you somehow are listening to this episode but not that one, like, who are you? Let us know. I'm confused. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Um, up there, we also have links to Spreaker, our podcast uh, hosts, HeadGum, our podcast network, and our Patreon page, which you can use to give us money if you think that we deserve your money. Um, Craig, anything else? We've you got are the, reading Woman in Black, right? Right. And we've got the whole Spooktober schedule up on Facebook. Um, we did a post about it. I think we can also... You probably put get it on the it, website at yeah, this point. Yeah, get it up yeah. on the website when we update it with this episode. Uh, thanks for bearing with us for the late show. It's just like we we have gotten it up at 6 a.m. sharp on Monday every week for like a super long time. And we're really proud of that because we know that people like to have their podcast when they expect to have their podcast. And let's face it, Monday is spooky every week of the year. Of course so it is. Yeah. we know that it's important. To, to have what you need to fight the Monday ghosts. Like, mm-hmm. we get it. Mm-hmm. So we're with you. Fight those Tuesday ghosts, everybody. Yeah, fight them. Uh, we'll be back next week, everyone. Until then, thanks for listening, and try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast. (laughs) Siri, what the hell? (laughs) She is super active right now. She really wants, she really needs to be up in here, I guess.